In Swahili, Imani means faith, and today's episode in our Girl, I've Been There Too series is about holding firm that while we don't know the path ahead, we must continue to have faith. Faith in ourselves, in our children, in those we trust to get us through the process, and in our beliefs that hold everything together. In this episode, the guest I call Imani shares with us what conditional love is, the importance of knowing your own capabilities when deciding how to proceed in the legal process, how to find the right lawyer for you, the impact your faith may have on your marriage or divorce, why setting boundaries for engaging with family and friends during a divorce is critical, and the two things that someone told her about custody that made a big difference for her. Welcome to an episode in our Girl, I've Been There Too series. This series profiles our sisters who have been where you are. They know the stress, pain, confusion, relief, anger, and everything in between that you are feeling about divorce because they've been there too. This is real life and real talk because sometimes that's what we really need. They are sharing their experiences so that you too will know that you are not alone, that your grown girl community is behind you, and that you're grown. You got this. Thank you so much for joining me today. We have agreed that you will remain anonymous during the interview to protect your privacy, but I want our listeners to connect with you. And so what I'd love to have you do is to really just give us a little bit about you and your background, you know, where you're from, maybe your age range, how you identify racially or ethnically and, you know, um, education background or profession. And most importantly, what your perfect Saturday morning looks like. Great. Thank you for having me on. I'm really excited to um, speak to you today and to others. So I am a proud 43-year-old, just just turned 43, and um, I am originally from the Maryland area. So um, I love good seafood. And- Yes. And I love DC. It's fantastic. Um, Professionally, I am in the pharmaceutical industry um, and I do have a PhD in, um, in biochemistry. So I am a nerd by day, but I definitely have fun in the evening. Um, My, yeah, my perfect Saturday, um, because I don't want to do the nerdy stuff would be sitting and binging out on some like terrible television. Yep. I won't name it because some people might think it's not terrible, but anything that has to deal with inappropriate things like spending too much money <laughs> <laughs> or flying to random places that I will never be able to go to. I want to do that stuff in tons of drama. That's perfect Saturday morning with my kids on their own iPad. So we can all watch our own thing, but like on the couch together. So and a cup of coffee. I'm so excited you're joining me. Um, 
because I, I really think it's so important to share experiences and, and for people to really connect in a way that they might not otherwise be able to, you know, not everyone has, you know, experience with divorce and, and for many, it is really kind of charting an unknown course. And so love to understand from you, you know, prior to your own divorce, what was your experience or any exposure to, to divorce um, did you have? Sure. So um, my experience with divorce is that most, well, I should say my aunts, my closest aunts all have been divorced. Okay. Um, but that was after 35, 40 years of marriage. So it kind of rocked the family and the fact that something had, a marriage had lasted so long and then it ends up in a divorce. Yeah. My father actually ended up getting a divorce very quickly after his second marriage. So I've seen a long, long marriages, divorced, short marriages, divorce. Um, and they all actually had their own unique properties. Like some people remain friends afterwards. Some people never spoke to that spouse again. So I just knew that when I got married, that divorce was not part of what I wanted to be a part of. Like that was an experience that was on my bucket list, but you know, I like, you know, that it's possible, you know, that it's there. Uh, so, um, it, I wasn't a stranger to it at all. That's so interesting that you're able to kind of say, you know, I've seen kind of the short marriage, but I've also seen longer marriages. When we think about kind of these ranges, right. You know, the reality is that it can occur at any point in time. And I think sometimes we lose sight of, what divorce kind of looks like in terms of when it can happen, right? Because, you know, Mm -hmm. TV has this narrative of what divorce looks like in many ways. And and oftentimes the narrative doesn't look like a Black family going through a divorce. But certainly in terms of timing, I think, you know, there's this kind of thought process where it's either, you know, after seven years or 10 years, all of a sudden, then it's like, yep, that's the time. And for many, maybe it is, but people do get divorced after 25 years of marriage. It's a real thing. Yes. And I will say, as you were talking, I'm thinking, you know, the common thread that I kind of remember and I can see in my own marriage um, as it unraveled was unhappiness. Unhappiness was the thread. I think that really all of them had in common. Now you may not be able to see that unhappiness because you know, that adage is you never know what happens behind closed doors. Um, That's very true. Um, And to that same degree, you know, television makes divorce look like it had to happen after an infidelity or after an addiction or somebody does something that drives them to jail. And then you're in this tumultuous divorce. And it's not like that. Um, It doesn't have to be like that at all. Um, And, and it didn't really happen like that for me, either. It wasn't one event, and everything just blew apart. I kind of almost wish it did, though. (laughs) Because sometimes it's clear, right? And and we'll, we will, we'll certainly hit on that. But I, I, 
want to really kind of touch on that, this idea of happiness and Mm -hmm. being unhappy in your marriage is enough to say, Mm -hmm. this is not working because you're right. I think people have this sense that in order to, and I'm going to put it in quotes, justify a divorce it's because of infidelity or it's because it's, you know, something that has put us uh, in, in a really kind of serious criminal position. And after all of the years that I've practiced as a divorce and, and family attorney, I can count on one hand, the number of cases that actually involve infidelity or some sort of significant financial issue. The vast majority are people who grew apart, were not communicating, were Mm -hmm. not, you know, kind of aligned value system wise. And it wasn't just one thing. It was a series of things over time. So thank you for saying that out, you know, out the gate, because I think it's really important to share. I do. Yes, I agree with you. I agree with you. It is it is, um, you know, the, I'm a huge fan of Titanic, the movie. Uh, one of the reasons why I don't go on cruises. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it was a pinhole that started the sinking of the Titanic. It wasn't that big crash into the iceberg. It was just a series of events and it eventually happened all the way. So I agree with you. Um, you just have to be aware of the signs. Yeah. And I could say, you know, everybody says, look out for those red flags. And I would say, look out for the yellow flags as well, because yellow's got to change to red. So you had a cautionary tale beforehand. And those are the things that I think through my process, I've gone back and looked and I'm like, yeah, that was a caution. And I let that caution turn into a red flag and I still ignored it. So there's pieces. Yeah, there's pieces there. So one of the reasons that I wanted to have this series is because Mm -hmm. of gyms like that. Sitting from the perspective of the attorney or, or the expert who navigates and helps people kind of go through this process, I have probably written who knows how many blogs and you know, social media posts about, right, the red flags. You just said, nope, let's start with the yellows, right? Because, <laughs> but that's so true. And, and you know, I, I'm sitting here like, whoa, wait a minute, right? Because yellow is is that cautionary, hello, let's slow down, something's happening here. Let's pay attention before mm-hmm. it even gets to that red. So, Again, this is why sharing experiences and stories, because as we are thinking about what divorce looks like and and that experience and knowing, am I headed in that direction? Maybe it is the series of yellow flags that are trying Mm -hmm. to draw in, in your attention. But before we dive into kind of your divorce experience, I want to talk a little bit about your, um, the foundation. So the relationship. So tell me, you know, how did you and and your ex, how did you guys meet? Um, and you know, kind of how long did you date before, before you were married? Right. Um, the dating experience was fantastic. We had a great start to our relationship. We knew each other in, uh, undergrad and got reconnected after that. 
and um, wonderful first date. Uh, I will say I actually fell in love after that first date. And I was like, this is not true. Like, this is not my Cinderella moment. You've got to be joking. But it was. And um, we were together for four years before the before the marriage. Let's see, we were both 28 at the time. Okay. So lots of our friends had already been married for four or five years at that point. And we had a fantastic time. We traveled we had experiences together we had our like couple combined bucket list that we wanted to do and you know and I remember just having I'm like he's so much fun like this is just fun and exciting and he's making me stretch out of my comfort zone and I like that right but we always did things just together and it was just the two of us right so that was one of the things that drew us to one another. We were fine with just us being together. And I, and I laid that foundation in our conversation because that ends up being a yellow flag. Okay. Um, so we, we were married for four years before we had children after our first child, like, Oh, he was so excited about being pregnant. It took us a little while to get pregnant, but once we got there, he was so excited about it. And then, and it was, uh, there was a shift right there. Okay. Uh, once we had our first child, it moved into, oh, uh, my attention, my attention was shifted towards being a mother and then how to balance being a wife at okay. the same time. Okay. But that was, that was the beginning. Like I, I smile because I, I know that we had a great time wanting to get married actually kind of quickly. We were uh, under six months from our engagement to the marriage and or to the wedding. And we knew everything we wanted and we got mostly everything we wanted. Yeah. So it was, it was really a great experience. So um, that is the happy time that I can think about. Yeah. Which is Those eight years were great. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and I think that's important because I think it's, there is a period of time in most relationships. And I say most because yes, there, there are the outliers that from day one, they really, everybody was ignoring all the signs and they never should have, but that's not most people. <laughs> most relationships, no. there, there was a period of time where things were great and were happy and, and were aligned. And, and so, mm-hmm. you know, saying, look, that, that time period, right. Those eight years, things were, things were great. And, and certainly hindsight of course is 2020. When we think about were there signs and, and you mentioned one of those yellow signs, you know, in terms of the two of us being together. And I want to explore that, but before I do, it's, you mentioned here we are, we've now had a child. I'm balancing between wife, mother, were you also like working as well or were you out of the work kind of force? So no, you were, all right. So balancing all these things. Yes. And one of the big things about us having a child was that I wasn't actually ready. He was more ready. He wanted to have children, but because I had an advanced degree, I had been in school my entire twenties and I was ready to have fun because everybody else had had their fun and they're having a good time. I was still studying. 
he had come from a much larger family than me. So he was ready, like the more the merrier. So I thought that when we had kids, it was just going to be a natural progression of our relationship. But for me, there was that, that whole, yes, that trifecta of balance. (laughs) How do I have fun still post-graduation, have my first job, because that was my first real job that I was in, um, post all my training and, you know, make my mark there. Then I'm a new mom. How do I make my mark there? And I see all these fantastic people on social media doing, you know, fantastic mother things that I just didn't know what I was doing. And then how do I continue to be um, a wife that was going to be there for her husband and spend time? And then, oh, I'm sorry, did I forget how to spend time with myself? Right. Cool. That's like a whole nother podcast we can go into, yeah. but <laughs> <It's true. laughs> self-care, self-care. Okay. Yeah. But it, it was a lot at the time. And I don't think that I had the ability to, to bucket it in those positions. Like I just did right there. I don't think I was doing that. I just was trying to be excellent at everything all at once. Yeah. It's like treading water in the ocean right? Like you're just trying to keep your head up and then wave, right? Wave comes kid. Mm -hmm. And then here comes wave. Oh, wait, wave, wave, you know, career wave. I mean, and so it it really is this ever kind of evolving, wait, how do I stay above water in doing all of these things and that added be the best at everything. I think, especially for black women, we often hear about, you know, black women are resilient and black women we're strong and black women we're tough. And, and there's this idea of, of, you know, superwoman and look, that shit's exhausting and something (laughs) at some point, right. Just isn't gonna, isn't going to be great despite what social media may, may say or what people might be kind of there are times when it's like, this isn't, this isn't working right now. No, it's Um, not. It's not. And I think too, coming from um, a group of women that I really look up to, I've grown up with throughout my, uh, the twenties and the thirties to look, to see how successful they are. Those are my friends, my core group and everything. You look to those people and you say, well, I want to, be exactly like you, like your marriages are amazing. Like your husband is amazing and providing for you. And you guys are going on date nights, doing all these wonderful things. And now I have, and I, and Kim, I'm going to say, I don't think the baby was a wave. I think the baby was an orca whale coming into (laughs) (laughs) like the most largest mammal, uh, on the planet of the earth. Um, the baby was the Oracle whale, but, um, yeah, fantastic baby. Still, still really love my kids. So, (laughs) but, but I think the competition factor, I don't want to say that I was actively competing with people, but you are comparing yourself to other people. And, um, and I just wanted to be the best for my, my nuclear family at that point that we were building. But I did. I lost myself a lot in that process. Again, another yellow flag is that I think that I lost myself in the process of my marriage, trying to define what a wife was. I wasn't vocal enough 
I was more accepting of what he wanted to keep the peace and, oh, a good wife follows after her husband. I am quite religious and I do believe in submission. Wives should be submissive. I know you're probably going to get tons of comments and I hope nobody turns off this after what I say, but I do, I believe that there is a hierarchy and I trusted in that very strongly. Um, and so, but, but I think I interpreted it wrong. Like I didn't have the best execution of submission. Okay. I, submission is not um, expressing your opinion. It is, um, it is seeking together what the higher power means for us to do. And you don't do it alone. Right. You do it with your husband. That is the submission that I feel like I should have been working towards. I took it as, Hey, just let him decide. And then you go. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So, so here's the thing. I think that our cultural teachings, religious background and influences oftentimes really kind of guide how we show up in marriages and relationships and understanding these, what I will say, the interpretations, right? And so the idea of, of submission and thinking about in a relationship, you know, how that has it impacts us and how we show up and, and how we engage and interact without really understanding what it means in terms of our day-to-day, right? And so Mm -hmm. as you've explained that, look, no, submission wasn't about, he says, this is how it's rolled. And and I am submissive in all ways in in following in that way. But it is the two of us really kind of setting forth a a plan and and figuring out together how this looks and and having your voice um, be a part of that. Here's what I understand marriage to be. This is how I was showing up in marriage. This is my you know, religious or cultural influence and, and how do I navigate those things? I think those are important. So then I would ask you, were you guys open to relationship, couples, marriage counseling? Was that something that Mm -hmm. the two of you, when you started to identify, we've got some things happening here. Was that even a welcome space to be in? Yeah. So I am a huge fan of therapy. Um, did that in graduate school, even when we were dating, we did like a, a book together. It was a premarital book because both of us knew pretty early on, like this was it, we were getting married. We just didn't know how, how, um, many years more we would have in our dating relationship. So we knew this was it. Uh, so we were very intentional about getting to know one another. We did do premarital counseling through the church. So it was an open space. But when we had the first child, we went, we knew things were off. So we sought out a a couple, so a husband and wife team okay. that came in to do the premarital counseling. I'm sorry, the marital counseling at okay. that point. We had a few sessions. And I remember the wife pulled me aside and said, I am suggesting to your husband that, you know, individual therapy needs to be there too. Okay. And 
that was an uncomfortable space for him at the time because we couldn't move forward without individual therapy. Okay. Now, again, I was more open to it, but the, I think that the individual therapy was a jump for him. So that was something that he had to get to. And it took a few years for that individual therapy to go through, but we couldn't move forward without his individual therapy. So it kind of stopped our growth stopped. Yeah. yeah. Or I'll say paused. It, it well, paused. Because it was a component. Yeah. It needed to be a component of what you, the two of you are working together. Right. But yes. without kind of that work there, there's only yes. so much that, that you can kind of do. And it is. And that was, and so once that was paused, we just went on. So now here, you know, now I've given you the third yellow flag. Right. And once you don't talk about situations or feelings within situations, they just fester and they grow and they bubble over and, yes. you know, get bigger. And then five years later, there was another child to that situation added mm-hmm. to that situation. Two wonderful short humans, amazing, <laughs> amazing, amazing children. Um, but you know, one is your orca whale, two is like your asteroid, because moving from one to two changes the whole game. Like, yeah, you need a new PS4 controller, you need, you need a different backup system, (laughs) you need a whole new, you need everything new. Um, That second child is, uh, that was what was very, very trying for us. When did you start to think this isn't going in the right direction productively, maybe long-term and there's possibly divorce might be on the horizon. Divorce took a few years after the initial, after the initial like signs of, Hey, I don't really like enjoying spending my time with you. I will clearly say at the hospital, once I gave birth to our second child, there was very little empathy given during the birth. I had a very difficult birthing process. And I remember it was the nurse that took care of me, not my spouse. Okay. And, and I just remember like, there was just a lack of interest. The fact that I was going through this very tough birth I was like, wow. Okay. So that's one. Um, And then you could tell that we weren't spending our time with each other anymore. And he wasn't really spending time with the family. What's really going on here? Like you're, you're, um, I I remember this, Kim, I was asked, I was watching something and it was making me so upset because now we're all in like this Netflix phase, right? You have to watch your series together, right? Because yes. if you go on an episode before me, like that, it's a problem. that might be, that might be cause for a divorce right yes. there, right? Okay. So <laughs> I remember I was watching something and he wasn't watching the series with me. So one of the questions was, you know, what do you, what is your perfect like day? Okay. Very much like your perfect Saturday. And his answer was, um, a piece of equipment that he liked, uh, a computer, his favorite music in his earbuds, and being on top of a mountain okay. alone. And I was like, 
don't you want to be with your wife and your children? (laughs) And I was like, because mine was very different, like beach, (laughs) some adult drinks and our kids and us like, okay. And he was like, no, he was like, you asked me for a perfect day. And I was like, wow. I was like, so your perfect day is not with me included at all. And that was the thing that really rocked me. And I paid attention to that and um, said, whoa, we got to really talk about this. So we did end up in um, one marriage counseling session after that point, just one. I was so upset because it wasn't his true self that was coming across in that, in that therapy session. Okay. And that's when he told me he was moving and yes, he accepted a job and I said, well, we can't go as a family. And he goes, no, I'm not asking. And he took the job and moved. Like even at that point though, divorce was not talked about. We didn't say that. We just knew that the marriage was in need of space. Okay. Um, Right here, I feel like it's important to know this. Like I knew it was, we were in a dire position the day that he moved. I was actually at a conference, so I wasn't in the house and I came back. He had already left and I walked into our bedroom and you know, when you move into a new house, you have that new echo. Yes. And I remember my footsteps and I heard the new echo and I was like, Ooh, it feels really empty in here. Wow. And I looked at all the drawers, completely empty. I looked on, we had double sinks in the, in the um, bathroom and his side was completely empty. There wasn't even a toothbrush. And I was like, he moved out. So he's gone. It was like in that type of situation, I feel like you have your toothbrush at home and your toothbrush at your new house. Yes. And there was no toothbrush. There weren't even dust bunnies. <laughs> so you wiped, you, you wiped, wiped down. You were like, I'm, I'm, I'm good. Um, and out. that's when I had the feeling that I was like, oh my gosh. I said, I am on my own. And it took my breath away. What do you do? Like, what do you do with that? Right. Like, so, so to be like kind of comical in this situation, like I couldn't even be Angela Bassett in that situation because there was nothing to burn. There was nothing to burn. And I was like, I can't burn my own clothes. That's not fun. Oh, goodness gracious. So, but, but in that situation, that's when I, like I leaned on my kids. That's really what it was. Like I let my girls see it. I cried Okay. and they were like, Oh, they were like, they, they knew where their father had went to. And they were like, it's not that bad. Like I have a, at the time, five-year-old telling me it's not that bad. And I'm like, just hug me. And I remember it was a Friday. Friday night is movie night and that's, you get to order whatever you want to order and we watch a movie and that's it. So that's actually what started from that day. So, um, but you know, in what happened to me personally and, you know, mentally at that point, it was a spiral. I, I 
did not know what to do. I slept in the bed for the first time. And I remember putting a pillow next to me so that I wouldn't even touch the other side of the bed because I was like, ah, it's cold. It probably wiped this down too. Like, my gosh. And so, and, and that, and, and that after that time that was, um, happened at the end of the year. So the the next holiday was Christmas and we didn't spend that holiday together. Okay. So that was our first holiday apart. Um, and I chose not to, uh, go with he and the children to see family. I said, let me stay here by myself. And I drew all the curtains. I did that very dramatic black out the house. I drank wine from a bottle, literally with a straw inside of it. Took the straw out when I couldn't get any more and just drank from the bottle. That was my time that I just was like, well, this shit sucks. So what do I do now? And after that, I said, okay, you've had two days of this. You need to pick yourself up and get it together. Okay. Um, And that's when I started that new year. I said, okay. I was like, this, it's done. That was it. So you allowed yourself to have a pity party and, and Mm -hmm. let me say everybody needs it. You, everybody needs Mm -hmm. that moment, right. To, to feel it, to, to be in that moment of hurt and pain, frustration, and and to feel all the the feelings because those are real, Mm -hmm. but then it became, okay, we've had this moment. Now let me figure out new year, new plan. And Mm -hmm. it sounds like girls were the priority in terms of, you know, what's next. Um, Of everything. Okay. They were the priority in everything. And again, Kim, I wasn't a priority. Okay. See, and that again, was not a good balance. That's what I've learned since then. Like, you know, again, I'm, I feel like all I'm doing is saying coin phrases, but you know, when mom's not happy, nobody's happy. That is so true. And, you know, I, I, I did not make myself the priority. I made them the priority. So they were fine. Okay. School, Girl Scouts and, you know, um, play dates and toys and all of that. It was fine. They were fine. Um, but I was not. And were you still in this kind of what I'll call like purgatory of we are not yet. So we are living separately because clearly we now, you know, have, have two separate households and, and we've now spent a holiday apart, but we're not yet filed for a divorce. We're not yet Mm -hmm. in the divorce conversation. Right. And I, and the thing that also happened was that I got a new job. Okay. So that required a relocation and I relocated without my spouse then. Okay. So I did an entire move with children by myself. Um, Thank God I had my dad there. He was extremely um, supportive and like present, but uh, no, uh, you know, I, I had moved from a place I had known all of my adult life at that point and was leaving it. So what was I leaving? Comfort. My sensibility was being left. And then 
um, I was starting a whole new career at that point. So there were a lot of changes, but the thing that I said was, listen, I have to make sure that I take care of these children. My independence came on and we moved. And so we moved, um, we moved uh, six months after um, we had separated and that was, and that was it. So I just focused on creating a new life for us at that point. And that was hard. How did you then kind of have that conversation with the girls? Everybody's getting a new job. And so it, Right. This was in, and during those six months, we still didn't have conversations about divorce. Okay. Like it was just a true separation. Um, we never, I never let him stay in the house after he had left. So okay. that was another big thing. Okay. At the time they were uh, six and two. So the two-year-old really didn't Little. know what was going on. Six-year-old, whew, she's yeah. either going to be a lawyer <laughs> because she knows facts she's like yo so we're up here in this different state dad's not here are you guys getting a divorce okay that was her question and I was like what do you know that that is right and she said that's when you don't live with your parents anymore and they don't kiss anymore and I said they do do not underestimate the um the 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 ability for a child to to look at situations because they watch us all the time. We think that they're in their iPads or looking at YouTube, but they are observant and they are the ones and they're like, "Mm." but um, she asked me that. I said, no, because clearly the conversation still hadn't happened. I said, no, mom is trying to make sure I get a better job. Okay. And I said, and that's what I've done. And I said, I want you and your sister to have a different life. And I said, it's going to be fantastic. So I just focus more on the positive aspects. Oh, we have a big yard now. Oh, we're near water now. Like, you know, all those things. Oh, you're actually closer to where your dad is. So you get to see him more often. Okay. Okay. So I did that, but we were fighting constantly. So me and my ex were fighting constantly on the phone in front of each other, not in front of the children, but in front of like when we would see each other, it was horrible. I was pissed. I was mad. I felt abandoned. I was angry. I was so angry at him and I was disappointed. I think I can get over anger, but once I'm disappointed in you, like you have really got to show like in your next behaviors that I can get rid of that disappointment. And I was like, you know, you just disappoint me as a husband. And I remember we were going back and forth on the phone and I said, it is time. It is time that we say it. And I said, and I know you don't want to be the one to say it because you don't want to be the bad person. Okay. I said, no man ever does. So they never do. I said, I said, we are getting a divorce. Yeah. And he said, absolutely. I agree. And I said, Oh, Mm -hmm. yep. And I, and that was when it happened. It was a month after I moved. And then, you know, that's the one thing I think that surprised me out of this whole, this whole process is the fact he did not fight our marriage he did not fight for me he just said cool 
I'm out. You know. And that that was there's no other way to say it but disappointing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I think having that realization, right, that I've now verbalized it in some ways that last ditch, right? You know, it's I'm throwing this gauntlet down and let's see if this is real. And and so to have that response of, okay, I, I agree. It's where do we go from here, but to then get divorced. I caution people all the time in saying, don't say it unless you really mean it, right? Because you don't know what that response is going to be, right? So, so this is not oh. one of those things where we start throwing out, I'm going to get a divorce or we should get divorced or, or a divorce unless you're really oh. ready to, to own that. Because, it, you know, as you, you know, experienced the, you said it because you knew you guys were there and you knew he wasn't going to say it. But still having that response of, I agree, has to be, you know, a knock the wind out of you because it is the, oh, it's now out here, right? This isn't, oh, yeah. we're not playing this game anymore. I really hope your listeners take that advice. Like, don't dramatically say it. Like, this is not our Netflix trash series. Not at all. We're just like, oh, you know, I'm about to get a divorce. I'm going to take all your money. No, it no. was so less dramatic and anticlimactic. It was like, do you want cheese pizza tonight? I'm going to order cheese pizza. Okay. I agree. Yes. What? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, I was like, well, I'm really happy that I know that I didn't have to fight for it and like convince him of it. But at the same time, that was a lot to know that there was zero resistance or I never got a, I miss you. I love you so much. I want this for us. I never got that. And that's when I said the, the condition of, I learned in that moment, our marriage was conditional. Okay. You are supposed to be married with unconditional love. Yes. And our marriage was conditional at that point. And I said, okay. I said, so this, this was not going to stay. This was not going to work no matter what I did. Let's just go. And I, again, I just sat on my bed. I cried loud that bad, ugly cry. It's not everywhere. (laughs) And I'm not even gonna lie. It lasted for about five minutes. Okay. Then I said, and I said, all right, this is what we're going to have to do. And then I started asking around for lawyers because I didn't know what to do at that point. Sure. His, my ex actually wanted us to do mediation. Okay. But I was like, I was like, dude, at this point, and again, I was not this eloquent, like, you know, I'm talking to you years after this has happened, but I knew deep down inside that I was not strong enough emotionally to stand in a room with a mediator and him by myself without any assistance next to me. Yeah. So I looked for lawyers that would participate in mediation. Okay. Um, but then I also knew I can't communicate with you 
anyways. So what is mediation going to do except okay. us having what I felt would be a two on one situation? Okay. So I said no to mediation. I said, no, we'll just go to lawyers. Okay. Um, I interviewed quite a few people. It was very important for me to have a black woman. Okay. Um, and why do you think, why do you think that was important for you? One, because I needed to have somebody like understand the underlying tones of what I was saying. Like, okay. um, to me, a female would have a better understanding. Okay. Um, a black female, I feel like would understand the, um, the double minority status that we have. Okay. And I, and I felt like if you're a lawyer, one, I've never had any dreams of being a lawyer. I just, I'm not that person. Like I can't fight like that. Okay. I can't <laughs> spit facts like that. And I'm like, and if she's a black female, she is about to come after you. So I needed okay. Olivia Pope okay. and I found an Olivia Pope. Okay. And I will tell this very quick story. When I interviewed her, I was waiting for her in her conference room and I was alone in the conference room and I'm just looking around and I turn and she's like sitting at the table. I was like, where did, did you, you appear you? from? I was like, you're at stealth. I said, you're hired. Oh my gosh. I was like, I didn't even hear you open the door. I was like, so that means that you know when to come in, you know, when I'm not paying, you're not making any noise. You're yeah. just doing, okay, thanks. And she knew her stuff. Okay. The only thing I will say is that she didn't, she didn't have children. So when you don't have your own um, I should, I'm being very careful in this. When you don't have the experience of like that protection over somebody like yes. mama bear protection, sure, you don't always understand the thought process that a mom goes through. You just don't have it. And it's not that you can't have it. It's just that you don't have it personally. You don't have that fear. You don't have that protective need yep. um, to take care of your kids. And that is what I wish that she would have had. But I always had to remind her that I can't do something because of the children. Right. Or I, I'm not willing to do this because of the children. Right. Yeah. Right. You know, I started practice, you know, right out of law school. I've always done divorce and family. And in certainly in the very early years, didn't have children worked with clients and, and through kind of the parenting stuff and think, you know, not to chew my own horn, think I did okay. Right. And, and, you know, you're still employed. I'm still employed and I'm still very, <laughs> I, I still have clients or former clients who uh, I did their divorces many years ago, who still check in with me and tell me how their kids are doing. And, and, and so I didn't mess up too bad. However, <laughs> once I had my first child, there was a shift. There, there was a shift in how I approached things, how I looked at things. But I also, though, now being and having had both of those kind of experiences, I will say what it does allow me to do now having my own children is to call out moms sometimes when we do things that I find we kind of hide behind the, well, because I'm a mom, right? So there are yes. things where... You were talking about, you know, prioritizing the kids and not prioritizing yourself. That's a double-edged sword. And in the divorce context, right, you know, there are so many times where kids are the focus, but 
realistically, it's hold on a minute. They're going to be fine. We got to focus here on you. And and sometimes that looks like saying, I know you're not going to love this parenting schedule because nobody loves being away from their kids, but Mm -hmm. you can't have the kids 24 seven by yourself. It's just not healthy for you. Right. So there are some things that I think certainly as a practitioner, I have cautioned women and from the perspective of saying, listen, I get it. I, you know, we love our kids and we want the best for our kids, but don't enter into some sort of agreement or an arrangement or something Mm -hmm. because you're so focused on them that you're losing sight of, of yourself. And that, that's my two cents with the kids and mom. You are absolutely correct. It, and I was, and I was going to say that, that because she didn't have kids, she was that for me. She was that litmus test for me. And she was like, uh, if they are with their dad for four weeks in a stretch, they'll be fine. I was like, you don't know my kids. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But I'm, but I'm glad that she said it to me because I had to have that check and, um, and it was hard and I didn't like that. Yeah. I still don't like that. Even when you just said it, I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. But, Every time. But, but that is also what your job is there as the lawyer to do, yeah. like remain within the confines of the law. We add the emotion as a person going through it. Sure. Um, and that, and that's very, very hard. Um, but you know, I will say this, like also looking for a lawyer, I would suggest like consider the specifics of your case. So like for me, it was a case where my divorce was in, I'm sorry, my marriage was in one state. We had to transfer it to a different state. So we were in different child laws and different marriage and divorce laws. And, um, did that person understand that? And do they have a team? Now, another consideration with my divorce was that COVID, we literally started our divorce proceedings March of 2020. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So I met my lawyer one time in person, just once. And there was no process. There was no precedent about what to do to have a divorce over Zoom. Right, right. Um, How do you have a legal system? over zoom um that particular lawyer definitely needed a team of people so if you need if there's lots of paperwork there's kids there's money there's property there's like i said out-of-state issues have a team as opposed to um probably just one person unless they can handle all of that but I, I give her a lot of space though, because we all were dealing with COVID at that time. You know, I will say there's, there's a lot. Every divorce is different. Every divorce, every divorce is different. Every divorce Mm -hmm. though has components that Mm -hmm. I think realistically is a lot for most people to, to shoulder yourselves because you are too close to it. Right. I, I, again, say, I've been doing this a long time. And if, if divorce came to my door, meaning that, you know, if that, if that were going to be the reality for myself and my husband, I'm gonna tell you right now, I'm not representing myself. 
I, I know the law and I know the, which tells me that I don't need to do this because mm-hmm. you're too close to it. And, and, and it's also when we think about, you know, balancing a, bu- a bunch of things, having somebody to really man the oars and, and guide the ship is really what's necessary because mm-hmm. there are so many moving pieces um, that you want to make sure are addressed and and, and um, attended to so that you can focus on other things like work, like self-care, like the kids, while letting mm-hmm. this other person really kind of say, okay, here's the reality, here's how we need to work within these things. And then, yes, you had kind of that added jurisdiction issue. We're dealing with a couple of states and, you know, even mm-hmm. for the, the best of lawyers, putting even COVID aside, that's a lot to navigate, but COVID certainly put a monkey wrench. But I do want to talk about mediation for a second, because, mm-hmm. you know, certainly I'm, I'm a mediator and, you know, there are different ways to mediate. Um, there's the individual and, and as you reference, which, you know, your, your spouse kind of broached the idea of, Hey, maybe the two of us and, and a mediator. Um, and for those who are not familiar with mediation, it's a dispute resolution process where the mediator is a neutral third party. In many cases, that person's a lawyer. In some cases, they're not. Oftentimes you'll find mediators who are therapists. You can participate in mediation. And in some states, mediation is mandatory for parenting things. The question becomes whether or not you do that by yourself, or if you have an attorney assisted mediation, which really looks like you, your attorney, your spouse, and the spouse's attorney, and and then the mediator. And in many um, cases that works because you then have that advocate there and and are able to kind of help negotiate. In some cases though, litigation, which is the or, you know, traditional process of going to court and, and following that process is really the path. And, and so what I say to people is certainly explore, ask questions, research, talk to your lawyer in, in understanding what the options are. Um, but it sounds like for you, you guys had the ability to have that conversation and figure out what might work. So, you know, I want to, I want to say something right here. I love the way that you just described that. Um, That was very easy to digest. And when you are going through the the beginning whirlwind of divorce, you can't see your left foot from your right. Okay. I remember I was reading the same sentence over and over again on a website and it just would not stick to me. And I was like, what the heck are these terms? I was like, I don't... I don't like law. I don't like the word litigation. I don't like where throughout towel, whatever. I don't, <laughs> yes, use, I, I can't with the language. And that was so overwhelming to me yeah. that asking a question was overwhelming. Yeah. And for those, for those women out there that the thought of even going into a legal situation is overwhelming. I'm like, work through that. I would have wished that I just asked the same questions again and just said to my lawyer or said to my friends who were, who had already gone through divorces, like, 
this scares me. I don't know what this is. Like it's, we all know it's scary and you know that you're emotional, but I just wish I would even verbalize that because I don't think that I did enough of my pre-work to understand like the difference between mediation and litigation. Like I just knew when they said it's going to be with a neutral party, I was like, nah, because that's not going to work for me. Like that was enough right there. Um, I didn't want to go to the courts, but I knew that that was the only two options. Now you just did a fantastic explanation of it. And that, I feel like that would have helped me a whole lot. Yeah. (laughs) But But that's why we're having these conversations because I recognize that, right. I recognize that here you are overwhelmed, emotional, scared, frustrated, And the only thing I can compare it to is like when you go to, you know, the doctor and you have, whether it's a breast scan or, you know, you're worried about like something in your neck and the doctor's talking and it's like your hands are over your ears because you can't really hear what they're saying. And it's that same thing. Your head is like in a fog. There's so many questions And in the divorce process, it's all of these like legal words and phrases and you're, you know, thinking, I just need to know where my kids are sleeping. And if I'm going to have money to pay my mortgage and, you know, y'all are talking about litigation and mediation and And, these things. Am I going to have money to pay you after I've given you my retainer? Yes. Let's talk about that. So yes, the the financial obligations of this is enormous, enormous. And, and that was another concern. I'm looking for lawyers that are worth the amount that you're paying, which any amount to me was fine because that's not my specialty. I need for you to know what you're doing and I will pay you that. But also I I didn't know how to anticipate a budget for a lawyer. I didn't know how do you, how do you talk to a lawyer freely, but then I have to be on the clock for 30 minutes. Like those are things. And again, COVID made it very hard because I was always on the clock on the phone. I didn't get to see mine on a zoom. And if that's important to you to see people face to face, tell that to your lawyer. Uh, one of the things, I'm sorry, I'm just kind of bopping no, around right now, but, crazy. but in the actual, um, in the actual, like uh, the hearing when we were actually in court, I was like, oh my gosh, I don't even have my lawyer's cell phone number. They disabled the chat on zoom. And I didn't even think about it because we had always been on zoom together and I didn't know they were going to disable a chat. So how do I talk to her? when we're in court i was like because if i was sitting right next to her i could write her a note and say ask this right oh he lied right or oops that's not the full story let's ask this but i didn't have those aspects again i don't think it's going to be like that moving forward it's much more advanced people know how to use things and know like divorces you guys know what to do through virtual means now but the starting of this whole process, the legal process, going through writing, like what's the difference between a custody agreement, the formal custody agreement, the 
when we get served and all of that, like that was just, I just said, you know, I put on blinders yep. and I let her do it. And I just said, just tell me where to pay the, the check. And that was it. And, um, and I will say this, even knowing like, and you might have to help me this with, with this one, Kim, the defendant and the plaintiff. Yes. I didn't know if there was really a difference between <laughs> one or the other. And she made a big deal about it. And I was like, well, whatever you want to do. So, I mean, even things like that, it's a lot. And um, yeah. And so I learned a lot through the legal process. Um, I'm happy I actually went through it because I'm happy I've always had a lawyer to go through it with. I'm glad we didn't go through mediation, but we went through a long, long trial and that was not fun. All of those terms that you have used and that you are now familiar with, right? Those in and of themselves can be overwhelming and depending on what state, right? So you were talking about plaintiff and defendant in some states, it's petitioner and respondent in some (laughs) states, a hearing is different than a status, which is different than trial, which, and so because these things all impact how the process unfolds, you know, it's really, really, really important to one work with somebody who not just understands, but I think more importantly, can really help you understand. I will say that one of the things that we at Grown Girl Divorce are trying to do, and and in the next couple of months, we're going to be rolling out some things to help people just kind of get a sense of understanding, because those are the things that I think make the difference in the process. So it's certainly Mm -hmm. important to work with somebody but knowing the, all right, what's plaintiff, what's defendant, what's a custody agreement in some States, we don't even call it custody anymore. And, and even mm-hmm. just having the language or the familiarity, I think helps even in, even in a small way. So, you know, you kind of owning that, you know, that and saying, look, just tell me where to write the check. This is all happening a lot. You had the experience (laughs) of a trial, which for those who don't know, you know, really means um, in the simplest form, the real time where there's what we call evidence and testimony, meaning that facts are coming out. Everybody is supposed to have an opportunity to tell their side of the story Um, in open court doesn't always happen that way, depending on the judge, depending on the process. I, I, you know, before anybody says, well, my trial doesn't always happen that way, but the trial (laughs) is the time period by which that is the, I'm going to put this in quote, the event by which a final determination is to be made by the court. So that's different than going to court for something for them to, to uh, rule on, on either a temporary basis or to be updated. The trial is really the, this is the judge making, um, you know, making the full decisions. You laugh because, you know, I know that the, the, I am simplifying in many ways, but, but I, I, I say that because everybody's process is different. Um, and, and you went through the traditional kind of litigated process. 
um, mm-hmm. in, in, in working with and in working with a lawyer um, through yours. But I want to ask you, when you look back through the lead up and, and then, you know, the process, what do you think got you through? It is a lot. And I, I was laughing because um, I naively thought that this was going to be like Judge Judy. Oh. And, you know, it was going to just happen in this very particular way. And the judge was going to be very, you know, aggressive and like leading things. It was not in our case, the lawyers were the ones that led everything. I heard a lot of the word objection and a lot of your honor, are we doing this? Yeah. <laughs> your honor, are we going there? Yes. And I'm like, is that a true legal term? Okay. Um, it's a lawyer code of come on, judge, <laughs> shut this down. Do we need to go down this road? Yes. Yes. And I, and I got that after the first 20 minutes of hearing it. Right. Yes. But, um, but what got me through the process? Okay. And just to let everyone know, um, in my particular state, um, there is a three day trial that's set up. And, um, so that one party has one and a half days to do the evidence and what did you say? Evidence and response and testimony. Evidence and testimony. And then the other party has the other day and a half. Um, mine ended up being five days. Um, and that was extremely long. And so it was literally exhausting sitting in the same spot, um, for five days. And that was just in a chair by myself in my bedroom with nobody around that. So it was very solitary, but what got me through it was that the whole process, I had a few people that I entrusted, like you immediately go to people who are divorced. And then you very quickly learn that everybody's divorce is very different and they either want to like cuss out their spouses, continue burning down their spouses' houses, or it's like, I don't even talk about my divorce. That's done. It's over with. Okay. So you have to be very selective in who you choose to fill your cup at that time. So I kept it very, very small. I had three people, not including my therapist that I just was a hundred percent real with. Okay. And those women let me just be myself in the process and myself, I was going through a lot of personal change too. So they let me say the same thing over and over again. Mm -hmm. They let me cry. They let me ugly cry. And then they told me when I was wrong Um, or, you know, you're being too hard. You're being inflexible. Or again, like, like Kim said, like, you're hiding behind the kids and you need to think about his side. And that was very important to keep it small, keep my circle small. But like I said, in the beginning, like I, I am a religious person. Um, I have always prayed in this situation. Um, and I trusted, it was really, really hard to trust God at this point. Cause I said, I don't know what you're doing. I was like, you, you gave me a, a really wonderful man, two fantastic kids, and it still didn't work. Yeah. What was it with me? And to have to do that internal mirror, that was really hard. But um, I prayed a lot, got even closer to God. I was journaling. And then, oh, therapy. Therapy was it. Um, because again, 
it's that mirror that's put up in front of you. And, you know, in a conflict, you want to point the finger at somebody. And one of my past bosses always said, when you point a finger, look at how many fingers are pointing back at you. Uh, And I'm like, what did I do? What, what could I have contributed to? And that was how I ended up being, I think a little bit more, um, understanding, empathetic, surprisingly to my ex at that time, um, during the process. Um, and because it was hard on him too. It was, um, and it's hard on everybody. Even if, you know, people can do some shitty things. I I will say people can do some things during a divorce and lead up to a divorce. Make no mistake. I'm not saying that, but, but it is a hard process and it truly is. There are two sides. There are two perspectives, how we receive things, um, how we say, um, and, and what our intentions are, you know, it, there, there's so much riding on all of this in, in not just in a marriage, but then moving into divorce. And so I think getting to that space of being able to kind of say, you know, I'm struggling here in some ways, and, and this is hard for me, but this is hard for them too. That's and it's rough. hard for and it's hard to admit yeah. that. Yeah. And it's hard for literally everybody that you're attached to. Like it's hard yes. for friends. Yes. And married friends. Yes. You are the epitome of their fears. And yes. you're going through yes. a tough situation. And there were people that were like, I don't even know what to say to you. Yeah. I don't even know what to ask. And so one of my things is that I always told our friends that they did not have to choose sides. Okay. And I was like, don't do that. I said, if you want to remain friends with him, please do. Yep. He's not a bad person. It's just not the husband that was made for me. Right. And I said, and if you choose to still be my friend, then that's fine too. But like family, it's okay. Fine. Families are always going to choose sides. Yes. And you tend to go with the family member that you're related to tend to, I will say tend to, um, I stopped talking to my closer family members about the details of the process because they constantly wanted me to be upset and angry and bitter. And they were kind of pissy when I was getting to that point of empathy and saying, you know, he wants to really be a dad too. I've got to give him that option. He really wants to end this. I've got to give him that option. And they didn't like that, you <laughs> but have they had to, to get over yourself. that. You, and, yeah. and you have there to you have boundaries and parameters yeah. and you have to create spaces for yourself in, in, yeah. in putting up those boundaries and for yourself and for the children, because you are forever connected to your spouse, especially when you have children. And, Ooh. and so if you're constantly in a state of where other external people are throwing in their two cents or giving their opinion and advice. And, and that can really impact what's happening 
in the co-parenting space as you move forward. And, and so I think you have to recognize, and I'm going to use your, you got to recognize even the yellow flags with those type as you're kind of navigating this divorce process and, and, and recognizing whether it's friends or girlfriends or (laughs) family members that not everybody is in a space to be able to provide for you and support you in a way that is productive. And I think it's important to pay attention to that. I think what you said is on point. Nobody prepares you how to be a support in this way. Like you can prepare somebody for marriage because you've been in that before. And, oh, this is what you do. You know, the toothpaste is going to annoy you (laughs) in a divorce. No, because this is a lot of shame. Right. This is, oh, you're divorced. Oh, like, don't say it out loud so that it doesn't happen. And I'm like, nope. Um, Divorce, you know, is this is what I'm going through. This is who I am. I I thought I was not going to say I'm a divorced person, but I, I very much am because I'm like, no, divorce was a reestablishment. And, um, and I'm okay with that. I was married. So I will say I was divorced or I am divorced. And that that's fine. There's a bit of empowerment with that. You call a spade a spade. Yeah. Um, and, but nobody teaches you how to be a support system for a divorcee until you are one. And like, I'm happy to do this to share my experience like this. Um, because even now, like, I wish somebody could tell me how to be a better co-parent. Huh. So what you said, said Kim was about <laughs> when you have kids, <laughs> you are forever bound to this person. And, um, and that is really tough on me sometimes. Um, cause there are times I do not want to talk to him at all. Yeah. Like, let me do my thing. You do your thing Yes. and just hope that we're on the same page, but you have to have still that, that dirty C word communication. Yes. Like you still have to, have, you still have to communicate with somebody that you didn't communicate well when you were wanting to be together. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so that's very, very tough. Um, and it's getting better, um, but it's slow. It's a very slow process. And I think it's also difficult for people to know how to kind of instruct you on how to be a better co-parent because people think that divorces mean that those people leave your life. They do. Divorce is a death. Right. It's a death. And you are recognizing that you have lost what you had a future plan for your life. Your marriage, the love that you decided to have with somebody you were going to spend the rest of your life with somebody is now gone. It's a death and you have to get over that. And the difference between death and divorce though, is that death is final. You don't see that person anymore. You don't hear their voice. You don't see them. You don't communicate anymore. Divorce and with co-parenting, I hear his voice all the time. Yes. I read his emails all the time. Yes. I have to hear him interact with my daughters every day. 
And it's almost like, you know, that zit that doesn't go away. I'm not calling him a zit, but right. it's like that zit that doesn't go away. And you're yeah. just like, really? Oh gosh. Um, but you know, I, 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 um, I had to accept what I lost, which was what I wanted for my life. Now I have to make new plans right. and okay. And what are some of the aspects that I wanted to share with somebody? Can I still do those? Yes, yes. I can. Yes. And that's exciting. <laughs> oh, that I, is, <laughs> you know, I will say that as someone who sits on the other side of the table or the zoom or, you know, whatever it may be, whether it's representing a client or, or in mediation and I talk to people all the time about navigating the co-parenting space. The one thing I will say is that it is hard. It is ever evolving. And so, you know, I can talk to people who are year one out of, from divorce and, you know, they're just trying to get the schedule nailed down. And then, you mm -hmm. know, people who are in year five, who are like, look, the schedule now is, you know, kinks have been worked out, but we're still trying to kind of deal with mm -hmm. the levels by which we need to find out how much or how little we can communicate. And then, you know, people who are 10 years removed and maybe their kids now are much older and they're navigating, how are we preparing, communicating about college and what that looks like. Mm -hmm. And, and so, you know, it does change. And, and I think that it's, one of those things that you just kind of keep working through and you, you know, are honest about that. It does take work. I am so, so, so grateful that you have joined me on the podcast today and, and have shared your experience. If there was one thing that you wish somebody had said to you, as you look back, what would you say to someone starting out or going through the process that you think might have helped you? That is a fantastic question. I've been pondering this question, I think, since the beginning, like what of my own process, like what would I, what do I really want to know? What, you know, what is the one nugget that would get me through and make everything way better? Um, there's not one nugget, um, but I'm going to give you two just to start out with. Um, so one has to do with the process. So a very good friend of mine, who's um, not a, not a family lawyer at all, but in the sense that she really understands the law, it's great. Um, but as a lawyer, she said, if you leave a custody arrangement happy, then you have lost. And she goes, you should walk away not happy because you're giving up something and that other person is giving up something. And I was pissed when I heard that because I was like, what? No. Mm -hmm. But it's such fantastic advice because that is a true 50-50, right? Yep. You have to give up some things. You have to be able to take some things. So establishing what your needs are what are the things that you need then you can move to the things that you want yeah. um so you do that the other thing i will say and this is more for the women oh because we don't do this enough for ourselves forgiveness um 
forgiveness was huge. It's hard. And of course it's like, Oh, do you forgive your spouse for walking out? Um, yes, I do. But I have to do that every day. It's like, it resets every day. I have to say, okay, I forgive. And then I realized I had to give, forgive myself. I kept blaming myself a lot. Um, I blame myself for the fall down of my marriage. I blame myself for not seeing things quicker. I blame myself for the future of my children. Cause I know that I'm driving them to a therapy couch. Like I, I did a lot of blaming, but now I'm like, no, I forgive you for, oh, I'm sorry, being a human, you make mistakes and you learn from them. And I have to forgive myself every day. So you are constantly evolving. You're constantly learning. You're constantly reminding yourself of these things. And, um, you know, one day it's just going to click in. And a friend of mine said when she went through her divorce, like she finally heard the birds chirping one day and she goes, it'll happen. And one day I heard the birds chirping and I was like, holy shit. They are chirping. They're chirping. Fun is there. Okay, let's move on. And you get there. And so well, I'll be fine. So um, ladies going through this process, you will get through it. There is an end in sight. Um, I was very happy to return back to my maiden name. You get a sense of empowerment. <laughs> and and um, but once it's all over with, then you know that that's a closed chapter. And then you can start moving on. So thank you for having this venue. Like Kim's so proud of you for this. It's incredibly important. Again, your honesty and and vulnerability and willingness to share your journey, your perspective, your experience. Thank you for listening to the Grown Girl Divorce Podcast. Remember, though you may be going through a difficult time, you're grown and you got this. Please be sure to tell your girlfriends about us. Follow us on Instagram at Grown Girl Divorce and subscribe to the podcast so that you don't miss out on any new conversations. The conversations on this podcast are for informational purposes only and are not intended to substitute working directly with a lawyer. These episodes are not to be used as a basis to support or defend any legal action and transcripts or recordings of the podcast may not be used for any purpose without the direct written permission of the podcast owner.